Hello and welcome to another episode of Tonal Whiplash. It's a podcast where we get guests on from the internet who do various things and ask them alternating serious and silly questions. Who are you, person I'm talking to today? Hello, I am Tanya DePass, also known as Cypher Tier online everywhere, be that Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, or even Tumblr, what's left of it. Um, and I do a lot of things. I run a, a org called I Need Diverse Games, which is about getting more people into the industry and keep them there, about diversity and inclusion. I am a partner Twitch streamer, and I'm also on an actual play show called Rivals of Waterdeep, which is an official WotC show that airs on the D&D Twitch channel every Sunday. Wonderful. Uh, so to start off with one of the serious questions, Tell us all about I Need Diverse Games, because I feel like that is that is a big part of what you do. Uh, how, how did it get started? What what's the, what's the what's the deal? Um, so the deal is, I was legit mad about video games about six in the morning in October 2014. Um, so like you know, the fall releases were being shown, and we're getting more information about holiday 2014 games. And as usual, there were more and more, you know the brown-haired, blue-eyed, white dude protagonist, saving the girl, the universe, what have you, and there were no people like me. For those that don't know what I look like, I am a light-skinned black woman, U.S. born and raised, and rarely do we get to see anyone black or female or neurodivergent or openly queer as leads in games or characters that live through the game or get to be a major player. And so... I was really, really frustrated. I mean, I've I've been real frustrated about that from time to time. It's a, it's not great, huh? No, and you know, there were things going on in the gaming world at the same time, but they were not tied to my frustration. But I threw this hashtag out on some tweets of, you know, I'd love it to see more people like me. I'm tired of the same bearded, you know, bro dude protagonist all the time. Someone even made a a chart, like a four by four, six by six chart of video game protagonists. And literally I can barely tell them apart and they are from different games. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm having a look at 2014's video game releases and I'm like, yeah, that, that in particular was a real year for, uh, you got the Dark Souls 2 protagonist, Destiny, Shadow of Mordor, um, Watch Dogs, Call of Duty, Titanfall. It's a lot of very generic looking white dudes. Yeah, so I just I just had that moment where I was like, oh my god, I'm so angry. And uh, still had a day job at that point and just threw some tweets out and, you know, didn't think anything of it. It was my usual pre-coffee, pre-breakfast yelling on the internet. And mm-hmm. right time, right place, lightning in a bottle. A lot of people saw it. The conversation grew out of that, um, made a blog for it, first a Tumblr and then an actual website, and it became a, a focal point, and there was discussion about it. I think that year Geek Girl Con did kind of an impromptu panel. I was not there. Um, I started doing a lot more podcast interviews and just people reaching out because the hashtag didn't die. A lot of game developers picked it up. A friend of mine, uh, Mickey Kendall, with a huge Twitter presence then and even more so now, shared it out, but also pointed out that, you know, this is important and don't forget where the tag started. It actually started on my Twitter account and then it grew to the point where it got its own Twitter account where it lives now. And um, I, at a certain point, I was basically doing two jobs, running what became the organization I Need Diverse Games and... Um, 
you know, blogging, doing podcasting. I had a podcast of my own that you uh, guested on at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we had Jim. So uh, Fresh Out of Tokens was born out of it as well. But as you know, running a podcast is a lot of work. So Yeah. I mean, there's a a reason that this particular podcast had a weird six-month hiatus and is now back. Doing podcasts is a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, and I discovered uh, I kind of hate audio editing and I'm not great at it. So (laughs) for various various and sundry reasons, Fresh Out Tokens kind of died off. I'd love to bring it back, but I would need someone um, okay. who could help me with audio. If you if you need someone who can help you with audio, I genuinely love audio editing. I find it uh, as as someone on the on the autism spectrum, I love it. It's just like an organizing sorting task. It's oh, I, I love audio editing. Uh, so we should talk once we're done officially recording the podcast, because um, I would love to bring it back. It's just. I, it's one of those things I have to admit I'm not great at it because I don't know if it's auditory processing or if I not get bored, but I, I also get a very perfectionist streak while I'm working on it. And I'm like, no, it's not mm. perfect. I can't stand it. Yeah, um, that, that is the thing I had to overcome in audio editing. I wanted to get every tiny imperfection out everywhere. And you so, after, after a few years of doing audio editing, you realize... There's a percentage that no one notices. Yeah, and you you know it's there. Oh, yeah. You have to work out, like, what's the percentage that no one will know except for me? And I'll hate it, but everyone else will be fine. Yeah, and so, you know, that happened. And, you know, I've been very fortunate and very... Um, I don't want to say lucky because I feel like saying lucky undermines the work it has been to do this hmm. as a job um, since I lost my day job in 20... 20- 15? Yeah, 2015, I lost my day job. And this has been my full-time gig ever since. I've been very fortunate to be a guest at international conventions, local conventions. Um, I'll be a guest at FlameCon in August. And there's some other things in the works that are not yet signed, sealed, and delivered. But um, (laughs) one great thing that has come out of it is I've got to work with OrcaCon, which is a tabletop convention in Bellevue, Washington. And next year, our focus is on black creators in the tabletop space. Mm. Yeah, and it makes me that, really happy. That that is that is really awesome because yeah, that is definitely not a not a thing that gets enough discussion. No, not at all. And you know, a lot of people feel like you know, and and I'm sure you've seen this as well. Is that when you mention diversity and inclusion, they look at it as deducting from what we oh, can do. Yeah, one hundred percent. Any time that it's like, oh well, you've you've uh, you've uh, every one time there's a gay character in a game, that's one less video game character that can be straight. Now you stole one of my straight ones. Right, and it's like, no, that's not how it works. But and and, and I've talked about this. I think I know with um, folks on other podcasts and and in general. Where I look at it as this weird idea of gamer manifest destiny that everything you look at, especially white dudes, and I know white dudes are going to get mad when they hear it, I don't care, deal with it, um, is that they they have been taught and they've been told by the industry that everything they survey is theirs, quote unquote, mm. that the shooters and these other games, what unquote, quote unquote, makes them feel like they're real gamers yeah. is theirs and how dare you bring in anything that is not oh. the same bearded white bro dude to save everyone. Yeah. It's it's the, the fact that like a lot of pop culture over the last couple of decades has basically uh not not only has it has it decided that 
you know, straight straight white cis men of ages 18 to 25 are the target demographic, but we've also seen this weird shift in pop culture becoming identity and the companies making it really leaning into that, going, like, leaning into the, the idea that the fact that you like our piece of media is a part of your identity, and that has caused this huge amount of gatekeeping where people are just like, no, but they made it for me. Don't take it away. It's 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 who I am. Oh, absolutely. You know, the the ways in which we've seen people get angry over things like Dark Souls. If you don't play Dark Souls, you don't play and it's not enough that you play Dark Souls, it's that mm. you have to play it a certain way. If you don't beat this boss the same way they did it with their build in this amount of time, then you're not a real gamer, or how dare you oh. ask for a difficulty slider on Sekiro. Yeah. Oh, my my favorite one of those still is um a certain a certain most popular video game YouTuber who is terrible and we don't acknowledge. Um Which made one? a vi- uh, <laughs> um oh I was I was I'm just going to say it's Pew- PewDiePie. Uh yeah. when when Cuphead came out, I made an article where I all I said was, "Hey, I beat Cuphead. I got through it, but like I didn't think its difficulty was always making it a more enjoyable game. I think sometimes it was just being difficult to say it was difficult, and that wasn't really serving the design. And he made a big video about how I was a big whiny baby, couldn't complete video games, I suck. Fucking woman can't complete a video game, why is she even fucking trying to play? Wow. Yeah, people are fucking entitled, huh? <laughs> oh, that very. Was fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's but it's like this weird idea, or like, and then here's the thing: I actually like Dark Souls. I tried Cuphead, yeah. and yeah. I also would like to keep the use of my wrists and hands because I need them for my work. And I've already yes. got arthritis in my knees. I'm not <laughs> trying to have that in my hands just to prove a non-existent point to some bro who is wrapped up in the idea of of gamer as identity. I mean, yeah. we've seen it. We've seen people do. Oh, but you're. I think my favorite was you are nerd washing and gatekeeping <laughs> gamer culture. And I just, it was a moment where, you know, the gif where like the cat is typing and then they just shove the laptop away. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I just had to get up and walk away from my computer and find an adult beverage. And by that, I mean alcohol. And mm. I was done for the day. I was like, how? Where's the ethnography of, of gamers as an ethnicity, please show me your work, as they like to say. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, it is it is quite a thing. Right. <laughs> Taking a complete left, hard <laughs> left turn into something much less serious than that. Uh, well, what do I, what do I want to jump to first? Um, I'm going to ask you a question that is always one of my favourite things to ask people, because it has led to some... Some interesting answers. Looking back over your fashion choices over over the years, do you have any regrettable fashion choices from your past that you look back on and cringe? Oh god, most of my teen years. But I was a teenager. Tell me about your awkward teen fashions. (laughs) Oh god, well, so I was born in 73... So I was a teen in the late 80s, and I don't know who remembers. The the flowered prints that are super popular now were actually popular when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend, Dungeon Commander, um, has been rocking those. But a lot of those were... It was just one of those things where I look at it and go, I'm short. 
I have no waist to speak of. And I'm wearing jeans with these giant flower prints or, you know, the bangs that many of us regret, you know, breakfast club mm. bangs, because I did not always have natural hair. I, I did rock the perm and straighten my hair back mm. in the day. Um, just a lot of unfortunate things. And a lot of it was for me tied in a body image, even mm. though I was an athlete as a teenager, was in great shape back then. I still had a lot of body confidence issues. Sort of things where it's like I went out of my way to hide what I look like. Um, yeah. So a lot of it was, it was unfortunate because it was just ugly. <laughs> um, but it was also, no one should see me. The like, yeah. And, you know, and I'm not trying to bring it down. It's just... Uh, as no, no, no. I, it's, it, this is interesting. Yeah. Because um, I'll I'll find it. There's a picture of my of me at prom. And I'm wearing this very form-fitting black dress. And, you know, I... Again, I was an athlete in high school. You wouldn't know it to look at me now. But um, but it's also growing up poor. And it was a matter of what we could afford. And yeah. for those that don't realize this, a lot of times when you're poor, you are stuck with what people think you should have versus what will make you feel and look good. Uh, yes. Um, and the same with plus-size clothes. I, As much as Lane Bryant has been a staple ever since... I gained weight as an adult and can't work out for various reasons or just don't eat well. A lot of that stuff looks like you pulled someone's grandmother's drapes off the wall. Yes. (laughs) It's like this will technically cover an amount of skin. Right. But I don't want to look like my 93-year-old grandmother's couch cover. I would like to... Is that not the look you're going for? Well, no, because... You know, for those of a certain age or a certain, like, demographic, we remember the the grandmother or the aunt that kept everything covered in plastic, like the couch. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, you remember, and, like, you stuck yeah. to it in the summer. Plastic, plastic couches still boggle my mind to this day that they are a thing that happened. Yeah, well, a lot of it was tied to you don't, you don't mess up the living room because that's where yeah. company goes. And yeah. so there were just so many things wrapped up in class and race and body image that yeah. made very unfortunate teen Tanya <laughs> fashion choices based on what we could afford, what I could afford, yeah. even though I worked since I was 16, and mm. what I was simply allowed to wear as a teenage girl because, you know, I'm of that era where, you know, yeah. mom still kind of gave you that look like, are you going out in that? Do you think you're leaving this house? <laughs> Outfit policing, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, a lot of flower prints that I regretted, mostly just because I'm very light and I have a yellow undertone, so a lot of pink and and other colors that were in fashion yeah. then did not go well with my skin tone. That, that, is, that, is, a really, that is a really interesting answer. <laughs> right, uh, next up, let's talk about you being involved in tabletop stuff. Yes. Tell us about you and tabletop. Um, so I grew up playing D&D, you know, I played first edition and went from there. Um, my mom was very much a believer of the satanic panic because she is a dyed-in-the-wool Roman Catholic, you know, I, pre-Vatican II Yeah, person. I mean, I, 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 I can empathize with this. I have a mother who did the, uh, the satanic panic at various times in my teen years. It's always fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I, I, I don't worship the devil. Not sure where no. this is coming my, from. 
mine wasn't D anD D. Mine was uh, I, I got very into the band My Chemical Romance right around the time that one British teenager killed themselves, and it was blown up in the newspapers as they did it because of the band. It was a suicide cult, and if your kids listen to it, they're gonna they're gonna kill themselves. And that was a that was a whole thing. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I I played off and on. Um, mm-hmm. I stayed abroad in Japan for a year, and actually during that year that I was there, play found a bunch of other people. We used to have a weekly game. We played oh, Big Eyes, yeah. Small Mouth, some other stuff. Um, but then I kind of fell out of tabletop around. Um, the the era between 3.5 and current edition of D&D, just because mm. as I went to conventions, as I did more stuff, I saw no people like me. And, yeah. you know, it's also the unwelcoming, oh my god, a girl in a game store, what will we do? Oh, and I, <laughs> I, yeah, I did not feel welcome trying to get into fourth edition at all. It was, it was such a weirdly, like, numbers and rules, lawyery specifics version it got that the exclusion got way worse in fourth edition yeah and you know there there were not a lot of places i could just go and again it was that that you know how you walk into a room and you just feel like you feel everyone has noticed that you exist when you walk in Mm. um and it just it put me off of it yeah it's that no one's saying i can't be here but everyone is aware i'm here Exactly. Um, and, you know, and also D&D is not a cheap hobby. Tabletop's hmm. not a cheap hobby. You know, pre-luxury items existing, one book is $50. And depending on what you're making and pre-digital era, it was expensive. You needed the space. You needed somewhere to go play a game. Um, so I just fell out of it for various and sundry reasons. But then, um, along with the work of doing I Need Diverse Games, um, Greg Tito over Wizards of the Coast, who's a great friend, a supporter of what I do, reached out and was like, hey, we have a podcast called uh, Dragon Talk. We'd love to have you on. And then it didn't click for me until about two days before I was going to do the show that I was like, oh, this is the official D&D podcast. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a nerd and didn't click this or I'm a dork. And it didn't click for me until I was like, oh, okay then, I guess we're doing this. Um, <laughs> but Greg and I had a great talk, you know, 5e had just come out at the time. And, and when we got to like my my relationship to Tabletop, he was like, oh, well, have you seen the book? And then he showed me um, the iconic human and it's a dark-skinned black woman who's a paladin and she's armored. And this is the iconic human in this book. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my God. I actually get to be in a D&D book. I get to feel Yay. again like I belong. And Greg was very gracious and sent me everything I need to get playing again. Um, found some friends. We kind of talked about playing. And then uh, later on, like, oh God, probably a couple years later, uh, Greg reached out and said, hey, do you know anyone? And also, would you be interested in a game, in doing a game for Wizards? We want to show that everyone can learn to play D&D. And... Mm-hmm. You know, that was first and foremost, it was an added bonus that we wanted being an all-people-of-color show. And yeah. we premiered at D&D Live 2018, and I'm very proud to say we're in our sixth season. Wow. Uh, yeah, and we just got to do a live show at C2E2, which is Chicago Comics Entertainment and Entertainment Expo. Um, so we had a great showing. And, um, you know, and for right now, until we get another cast member 
on board we're the only all black show that is is a wizards of the coast actual play stream oh wow yeah so um serena marie um one of our founding cast members mm. got a job with critical role so i'm we're all super proud of her and very happy for her yeah but that means we lost her and carlos who um was our season two uh dm um as they're married and they're very happy in la and we got to see them when they were here for c2e2 but that means we have lost two cast members but we did just yeah. bring on uh, latia bryant who is lady tiefling online and uh she premiered at our live show and then when we go back to the studio on march 15th we will finish up our season and everything else is under discussion at nda so when we can talk about future things we can <laughs> Oh goodness, yeah. It's fifth edition. Fifth edition has like definitely. I've seen a lot more types of people getting into D and D since fifth edition happened, which has been really nice. Like, there there was a time, go back five ten years, I probably couldn't have imagined the fact that I'm currently in two regular D&D groups, uh, one of which is all women, and one of which is over 50% women. And that is not a thing I really could have imagined when 4th edition was in its full swing. It's it's nice to see that the game feels like it's opening up again. Yeah, and you know, I, I really put part of that on the ability to stream the game. Yes, Th- things like Roll20 are an absolute mm-hmm. godsend. The fact that you can just Google a spell name and, aha, there's a description, nice and easily digestible. Here's yeah. Roll20 that you can manage all your stats through. Here's digital character sheet making tools. Yeah, and you know, for those that are just doing D&D, there's also D&D Beyond, where literally everything is in mm. there. Um, you can now make an encounter, also hashtag sponsor, because they do sponsor our show. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, there there's just so many ways to make it available, the digital versions of everything. Yeah. I don't need to carry a backpack full of books and dice anywhere. Um, I Gosh, mean, yeah. I mean, I do carry a backpack full of dice, but that's just the oh, dice. So do I. The di- <laughs> dice are great. Who doesn't love a, a bag of far more dice than they need? Oh, absolutely. I, I probably carry more dice every week to Rivals than I will ever use. Yeah, I I have 12 full sets of dice in my dice bag, and I've never run a game that big, but I'm like, (laughs) well, assuming I run the the session for our, like, group at its biggest, which is sometimes seven, uh, and everyone forgets their dice, I've got enough dice for everyone, and that (laughs) everyone can have a choice of colours. (laughs) Right, you're like, I got everybody, you know, we're we're good, Um, you know, and I also just like shiny things. (laughs) I know, right? I just bought a, a metal set of dice <gasps> that are... Um, oh, what'd you they're, get? They're, they're light blue on the faces, but sort of like silvery gold around the edges. Ooh, They're pretty. a really nice set, yeah. Lovely. I do love my pretty my pretty rocks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, even though we know that I don't need any more dice, I bought a stainless steel set at C2E2. Yeah. I, I I never need more, but then occasionally I'll just be like, oh, there's there's a, there's a sort of clear sparkly purple set. Oh, I don't yeah. have one of those. I know, <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, or if new dice come out, I'm like, so I don't need them, but... But, but... Um, so, silly question, but on that same sort of topic. Um, what is the most silly mistake you've ever made in a tabletop game where... Instantly, you knew it was going to go really wrong. Ooh, um, so not Rivals of Waterdeep, but the last home game I played in that was like 
almost three years of going to a friend's house every other weekend. Um, I was playing an elven rogue, and I freely admit I based him off Fenris from Dragon Age 2. Um, I was tied to a stake, and for some reason I was oily. I don't remember why I was oily. <laughs> but a dragon was about to eat me. And you would think, as a rogue, I'd be like, oh, I'll just, like, sleight of hand and get out of these ropes. I failed. I failed so well that I became snack for the dragon. And that was the end of that character. I mean, there is, that is one of those chunky salsa moments. There's not really any coming back from a dragon ate you. <laughs> no, because I was like, can I do a death save? And it's like, a dragon just chomped you. What do you think you could do, really? <laughs> yeah, re- realistically, like it, it's one of those moments, like, can you give an explanation to the DM that they are happy with as to why you should get a death save? <laughs> I mean, but if you played Dragon Age Inquisition, um, when the warden you are trying to convince to not work with the evil people gets chomped by a dragon and spit back out, and it has enough energy to fire one last spell, I figure maybe, just maybe, if I'd been good at it, I oh. could have talked my way out of this. If if the DM wasn't specific enough, you could say, well, I went into the mouth, the teeth didn't get me, I'm, I'm just chilling on the tongue. Right, like, I, it was just a clean bite, I just slid right past all the teeth. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm hanging out in the in the gullet, you know, using all my strength to just sort of brace myself against the walls. I mean, if I'd been if I'd been smooth enough and not been so horrified by the terrible roll. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a, a botch at a time like that can only really go so many ways. Yeah, I mean, it was in hindsight, it was kind of hilarious because now I have a great story of how a character died. But in the moment, yeah. I was like, oh my god, this character that I put like literal years into is dead. What do I do? Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, the... the It is always a moment when a character dies. <laughs> yeah, so um, spoiler for anyone who's never seen our show, we do have a, a player character death moment. And it's actually kind of horrific when, when you think about it because... I'm a paladin, I was able to come over and kind of revive him, give him some HP back, and then the NPC that killed him just pulled out a gun and shot him point blank, and it was like, uh, well, um, that happened? And then my, like, half of our chat was like, wait, what happened? Is he dead? And then the other half was like, where did he get a gun? They're playing (laughs) D&D. I mean, I mean... Uh, I I have played some games of D D that have played fast and rules are loose with technology. Um, right. I, I I remember the first podcast D and D session I did. We got into like a ten minute discussion with the DM about the fact that there was a fridge. Like a refrigerator. And we were like, yeah, there was a refrigerator. Now, lo- long story. Yeah, he was. He, he, in the end, he was like, "Fine, it is a box with some kind of ice crystal in it. It's not technically a refrigerator, but it keeps <laughs> things cold. Are you happy?" Oh my god! <laughs> uh, the oh the god. technology reaching of how do I how do I justify the fact I need to keep something cold in this campaign? <laughs> uh, um. So yeah. We've talked about I Need Diverse Games, and we've talked about uh, some of your your tabletop stuff. Do you have anything coming up in the immediate future that you want people to know about that you're working on? 
Uh, yeah, so if you come to my Twitter and you're a nice person and you're not an asshole, uh, my pin tweet is currently about the RPG based on N.K. Jemisin's fifth season books mm-hmm. um, by Green Ronin. I am the co-developer. Uh, Joe Carricker is the other co-developer, and we have a great... Oh, God, I almost said stable. That sounds so bad. A great <laughs> cadre of writers um, who are working on it, and I'm very pleased to say that um, almost everyone working on this is a creator of color, and uh, we got such great first drafts in from some folks. We're still in the the writing pre um, like writing first round of edit phase for the project, and I'm really really excited. One because I've been friends with Nora for a long time and Kate Jemison, and so it's an honor, but it's also kind of daunting. And mm. every time I've looked through these books and, and talked to people, everyone's like, "Oh my god, this makes such a great RPG." And for it to happen and to be part of that process is so amazing. Mm. Um, I'm working. I'm also working on some stuff for Paizo. I don't know if it's announced yet, but uh, but yeah, that is part and parcel of what I'll be doing the rest of the month is doing a bunch of writing for RPGs. Fantastic. Uh, right. Another silly question. Sure. Uh, is there a song in your life that no matter when or where you hear it, it gives you that urge to just get up and either dance or sing along. Do you uh, have that track that always gets you going? Um, yes. Yeah, so it's one of two things. It's either I am telling you from Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, anything from the Hamilton track, actually. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's some things where I've listened to the soundtrack way too much. I did get a chance to see it in person uh, when it was in Chicago, but there's just something about the the music where no matter what I'm doing, if I hear yeah. or refrain from it, I will just start singing along, and I'm like, oh god, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. out of home. I should remember I, this. There are certain songs on that soundtrack that I do the same with, where the second they come on, I'm like, right, I'm pausing, working for a minute. I have to I have to focus on on this song right now. Satisfied is always one of those for me. I'm yeah. I'm so excited that the movie adaptation is just going to be a filming of the stage show. Oh, Yeah, um, or if anyone starts singing something around me and I know it, I may just join in. And then I remember, I don't have a great singing voice. <laughs> I mean, neither do I. I still do the same. Don't, don't let lack of singing voice <laughs> let you stop singing. Uh, if you sing with enough confidence, that'll that'll totally make up for the the, the lack of tone, right? Yeah, enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm, <laughs> enthusiasm. Uh, so yeah, lastly, before we finish up, uh, tell us about you and Twitch streaming and what you do on Twitch. Um, so I do a variety of things. I'm I'm what you call a variety caster, as many folks call it. Um, I do everything from like uh, long RPGs. I've been replaying The Witcher until a bug stopped my new game plus. Oh, um, no. Yeah, and since I was replaying on PS4, I'm not sure what to do about the bug. I've looked up a bunch of solutions. Um, I may try oh. one more time to fix it. <laughs> I don't know what I can do. Um, yeah, that's that's a real gut punch. Ugh. And it's a main quest, so if I can't f- get around this bug, oh well, new game plus. I tried. Um, mm. And since The Division 2, uh, Warlords of New York's dropped i've been playing that pretty constantly um i never thought i'd be someone hardcore into a third or first person shooter but i really love the division and what for me what makes it is playing with friends yeah 
I can solo some things, but the Warlords expansion is not really something you, I recommend trying to solo unless you're trying to prove some weird point to yourself. Um, Cause there, even before I got to a boss fight, I was like, Ooh, this was a bad idea. Why did I play this alone? Um, and then sometimes I do talk show. Um, I used to, so to be a little serious, um, I used to do, my format was in the morning, I would do coffee with Cypher. I would talk about kind of whatever's going on. I would do maybe some small things if I had to make a post office run while I'm chatting talk about kind of what's going on in the world or what have you. And I would do that and then switch to games. And then I changed it to a morning talk show, kind of catch people as they're getting ready for work. And then in evenings do games because there was such a big dip between chatting and games. But then um, we had a stalker. We still have yes. a stalker. Um, yes. There, I actually did an article or an interview with uh, Nathan about it over at Kotaku US. And... And the fact that Twitch fucking did nothing in the slightest about it? Not in the least, because, as we yeah. found out, um, I was one of the people who got a front page spot for Black History Month from Twitch. Yep. And the stalker showed up again. So it is now going yes. on two years that this person has little enough of a life to show up when I do special events. Mm. Um, because I showed up again last year right before PAX West. And yeah. and the thing is, for those that don't know, don't stream, banning someone in your chat, all it does is keep them from talking. It does not yes. mean anything. They can still watch your channel. People can watch you. You can make it so someone has to be a follower to talk. But, mm. fun fact, so you can ban someone and they can still follow your channel, as we discovered. Um, oh, Yes, because there were people we wound up banning during the Black History Month segment that immediately mm. followed. And um, they're there. However, and I will give a link to this, there is a lovely tool that someone created that can force an unfollow and also keep them from following you again. That is definitely something I'd be interested in us linking, because that, that is very important functionality. That, which means if someone can program it, Twitch could have done it. Um, yes. And, you know, they can lock you to subscriber-only streams. So, I don't know, maybe toggle something where a fan statement, if banned, cannot view. I don't know why this is difficult. Even I, who do not understand programming very well, feels like if someone could make this happen, that Twitch, with all of its resources, could make it happen. But we don't have enough time for me to yell about that. Um, but, you know, to, to be less serious and less angry... For once in my I life. Mean, you can be as angry and serious as you want. I'm not gonna stop you. <laughs> okay, well well then how about well well shit, Laura, you just opened a floodgate. Um But you know, there there are many people, you know, I'm very lucky to be part of the Rainbow Arcade family, which is a new Twitch team that is focused on queer mm. creators. Um I've got my own Twitch team because as a partner you can do that. Mm -hmm. Um but there's a lot of people who do not feel safe on the platform, who refuse to stream or who leave streaming because of things like that or they just see what people go through and they don't want to they don't want to deal with it yeah, um like there's there's a lot of, there's a reason that like i've been on twitch for years and now is the first time i've actually stuck with it long enough to to actually do it on a regular basis because previous attempts have gone poorly yeah yeah 
Um, you know, and there are people that, you know, I've been in other people's chats, specifically black streamers, women streamers, queer streamers, someone who's all three like myself, yeah. um, um, streamers who are trans and yeah. are out and have to deal with the bullshit they get or the invasive gross questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to folks like ferociously Steph, nicotine, um, other folks that are, are out there and, and being very gracious, far more gracious than I think I could ever be. <laughs> Um, and I am forgetting someone's name and I feel really terrible, but another streamer who, um, has been very, um, gracious and open and even does like weekly chats of, you can ask me questions as long as you are respectful, um, yeah. and is very educational, but that's what I do on Twitch. I try, I, I, I realize people enjoy the talk show chats, but it is very stressful. It is very it's a lot of emotional labor to try to be engaging, try to be entertaining, to to give people what they want, but also yeah. have to keep an eye on your chat and your moderation to wonder, mm. is today the day where we get harassed? Is today the day where we get view botted? Um, the last time I did mm. just chatting, I was just chatting while I was parceling up things to go to the post office. Someone just, First, we had someone who followed... And immediately asked if we discussed politics, which was weird. That's that feels like a red flag. Oh, it was such a red flag because I was like, yeah. not really. That's not what I'm on Twitch for. There are plenty of people who do discuss politics. Yeah. If that's what you need out of Twitch. But then someone, what was clearly had to be a bot, just popped up and kept repeating the the thing and apologies for the vulgarity, sort of kind of. But all they kept typing was how much white boy dick I had sucked today. That was literally oh. all they... And they typed yeah. it again and again until they couldn't f- finish the the line. So I'm like, that clearly has to be a bot. But I was more... I was more bemused by... How did we get here if I'm using the LGBT tag? Yeah. What correlation do you have of me using the LGBT tag being feminine? Well, feminine as I represent, because I am i don't usually do a lot of fem-leaning things, at least what society yeah. tells us. And asking if I'd suck some white boy dick. Oh, the internet. <sighs> it was just such a random thing. It was one of those things where yeah. you can't even be mad. I was just more like, what? B- baffled. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, none. Last time I checked, um, my partner is not white. So that's going to be a zero. Yeah, none that I'm aware of, unless you know I've 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 really not been paying attention. Right? Do, am I am I doing these things in my sleep? What's happening? Um, so there's and there are times where I just like to quote unquote play with my food, as a friend calls it. And then there are other times where I'm like, you know, I I don't know what it is, but the the thing to do lately has been to question your gender. Yeah, I'm well aware of this. Yep. <laughs> but I've been called like a man, an yeah. ugly man. I think the worst, and this is being very mild, is someone asked if I had a taco or a hot dog. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, what is in the water today? What is happening? And again, I, I put a lot of it on the just chatting category, which is what IRL became. Mm, yes. And I don't care who I watch in just chatting there's some variant of fuckery that happens. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that section, but it seems to attract its own very specific level of of unpleasant weirdness. 
Yeah. So, and that's also why I'm like just a little reticent to go back to ever really streaming in that category, just because. I, I mean, like my my, I've been wanting to go back to that category without going to that category, and I think my solution is when Animal Crossing comes out, I'm just going to potter around doing very basic things in Animal Crossing, and being like, yes, this is this is now the Just Talk category. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll put it in podcast, even if it's technically not a podcast. Yeah. It, the, the, the podcast is a broad term. It can mean whatever you need it to mean. It's like, we're talking about things. Yes. A, a, a conversation on the internet. A podcast. Exactly. There, there may right. be no format, but it's a podcast. <laughs> Anything. Yeah, it's it's an experimental non non structured pod- podcast with live listener reactions. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and to finish it off, we'll go back to a, a non worky related question. Uh, if you could have one useless superpower, like being able to always plug in cables the right way around, or never accidentally pushing pull doors, what useless superpower would you want? Oh my goodness. Um, I'd like to reverse the superpower apparently have of finding the bathroom that has no toilet paper and a broken door. Oh, so every public bathroom you use would have a functioning lock and toilet paper every time. Yes, because I'm starting to be like it used to be in The Sims where I'd have a fear of public bathrooms. Mm. <laughs> Do you remember that in Sims 3? Yeah, your sim could actually yeah. have that fear. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Gosh, I, that that's a really good answer to that question, and I would I would kill for that. <laughs> it's oh. it's uh it's just weird. It's like of all the bathrooms, there's 15 stalls in here. How did I find this one? Yeah, goodness. Uh, I think that that'll about do it for us today. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. It's been lovely to chat with you as ever. It's always lovely to chat with you. Um, for anyone who is new to your work and doesn't know where to find you, self-promotion. Where where should people go and when to find things that you do? Um, I am on Twitter far too much for my own good at, <laughs> at C-Y-P-H-E-R-O-F-T-Y-R. That is also my Instagram, Tumblr, Twitch. As for Twitch, I'm a little bit sporadic based on travel and deadlines. Um, I've been trying to stream a little bit every day, whether it's division, just chatting while I do while I do other stuff. Um, uh, Sundays over at twitch.tv backslash dnd, you can catch me at Rivals of Waterdeep. And for those that may not have ever seen the show, this Sunday, March 8th, will be a great time to catch up because we do a bit of overall recap before we get into the show. Um, and, and it is a live show. Um, and then starting next Thursday, actually, you can catch me over at twitch.tv backslash wandering DM, where I'm going to DM a Dragon Age campaign. And Ooh. yes, so for those who don't know, Green Ronin did a Dragon Age licensed RPG. And I will be running the players around in the search for Anders. So it's set between Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm. And that will be at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific um, over at The Wandering DM. And I will happily get you all this for show notes. I would very much appreciate that. That would very much help. Uh... Wonderful. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. It's been wonderful as ever. We'll have another episode of this for you again soon. 
Bye. Bye.